I invite you to take your Bibles, please, and open them up to Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, We're going to look at this passage that Dave read for us, but we're going to look at several other passages along the way. And I encourage you to follow along uh, in your Bibles with me as we kind of take a, a survey of what the Bible has to say about this very important relational connection of bearing with one another. Uh, I am convinced that this particular one another concept is probably one that most of us struggle with more than anything else. Uh, It's not easy to develop a bearing with spirit. And yet, I believe that is what God calls all of us to develop uh, as members of his family. He's constantly molding us and shaping us and forming us to be more and more like him. And when we think about how Jesus has been very forbearing in his relationship with us, uh, we need to learn to be forbearing uh, and bearing with each other uh, as uh, we build relationships with one another. I'm reminded of the, uh, the pastor who, after a service, uh, Uh, For whatever reason, he got involved in some kind of a a misunderstanding, disagreement, whatever you want to call it, with a a, uh, individual in his congregation. And it got uh, to be so heated that he thought that person would never, ever come back. Uh, He'd never see that person again. And so that Sunday evening, he was really amazed that this person showed up. And after the service, he said, well, I'm so glad you came tonight. He said, after that exchange we had this morning, I thought you would never, ever come back to the church. And the individual with a twinkle in their eye said, well, pastor, I am loyal to this church, even if the devil is in the pulpit. (laughs) You know, it's very, very interesting, is it not, that sometimes when it comes to to, uh, to forbearing each other, we only tolerate each other. You know, there's a difference, you know, between bearing with someone and tolerating one another. And I believe that the scripture kind of talks to us about bearing with one another. It's talking to us about learning how to kind of put up with each other, put up with the weaknesses of each other. Talking to us about how we can bring out the best in one another, even when we may approach things a little bit differently than uh, someone else. But this bearing with spirit is spoken of not only here in Ephesians 4 and verse 3, but also in Colossians 3 and verse 13, where it talks about bearing with one another. And I want us to look at this uh, in detail here this morning, but before we do so, uh, let me ask you, what, what comes to your mind uh, when you hear the word forbearance or bearing with? What, 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 what images does that project? What, what, what comes to your mind? Just talk back to me for a minute. Giving up. I'm, okay, giving up. What else? Patience. I'm sorry? Patience. Patience, okay. Being patient with each other. Okay, someone else? Okay, just one at a time. Okay, get, go ahead. Putting up with someone, okay? Coming alongside someone. Back here. Persevering, yeah. Hanging in there with someone, even though it's difficult, okay? Persevering. Anyone else? Extending grace. Okay, it's all good. Anyone else? Carrying someone's burden. Coming alongside 
and lifting them up. Yes. Okay? Anything else that pops in your mind when you think about this concept of bearing with or forbearing one another? Self-control? Okay. That's really important, isn't it? Uh, that we're in control of ourselves as we seek to be uh, uh, a bearing with kind of an individual. Someone else over here had a comment. Loving, loving one another, okay. All of these are concepts that I believe are, are very uh, important for us to think about and, and really everything that you have fed back to me, uh, I believe if you put it all together really helps us to understand that, that forbearance and bearing with is a, a very, uh, it's, it's an inclusive concept, but it's something that we need to think about. I don't think many of us uh, wake up on a, a morning and say, Lord, uh, uh, bring someone into my life that I have to bear with. You know, he's not, he's, uh, that's, that's, not, that's not usually our first prayer. But, but God wants us to develop that kind of a spirit among ourselves as we seek to honor him. Now, let's uh, take a look at what the scripture has to say about this matter of bearing with or forbearance. Number one, uh, forbearance is an attribute of God. When we think about God, we understand that he is a forbearing God. And you can keep your finger there in Ephesians chapter 4, but turn with me to the book of Romans. The book of Romans uh, and the second chapter in particular, uh, we have this very specific verse, verse 4, which says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance? Now, many of the translations uh, use the word forbearance there instead of tolerance is the NIV, and patience, then notice the, these words, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance. Now, when we talk about the forbearance of God, we are referring to the way in which God deals with sin, with human beings who are judging other sinful human beings, when they themselves are guilty of practicing the very same things. Notice what Paul says here to the Romans in chapter 2 and verse 1. He's speaking especially to the Jewish believers. He says, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now, we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on a truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? And what he is saying simply is this, that he's just described in Romans chapter 1 all of these uh, horrendous sins of the Gentiles. Uh, and you take a look at all the list of sins in Romans chapter 1, and it's really a, 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 a inside look at really what's going on in our, our culture today. The horrendous sins where people are inventing uh, sins and they delight in sin and they're looking for new ways to sin. In fact, as uh, Paul describes the Gentiles there in chapter 1, he says, because they had forgotten about God, God gave up on them. He gave them over to their depraved and unnatural desires. And after speaking about the Gentiles that way, why Paul looks at his Jewish brothers and he says, well, just because God has 
pointed out all the sins of the Gentiles, you're not off the hook either. Uh, after all, even though they are God's chosen people, they too are under the judgment of God. Again and again, he reminds them that even though they are the chosen of God, even though they have been given the oracles of God, they, just like the Gentiles, are under the judgment of God. Notice in chapter 2, beginning at verse 17, he says, Now, you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and brag about your relationship to God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have the law, the embodiment of the knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? Do you who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? He's pointing out to the Jewish folks that you can't say that God's not going to judge you like he's going to judge the Gentiles because you are guilty of the very same things, not maybe the identical things, but you too have strayed from one God's purpose in his, finger, his, his plan for your life. And so though he holds the Jewish nation more accountable because of all that God's given them, he's quick to point out that God is forbearing in his judgment toward the Gentiles who are sinning in these horrific ways. He's also forbearing toward the Jews. He does not give the Jews what they deserve. He withholds from them and the Gentiles what they do deserve, condemnation and death. And he explains this in verse 4 when he says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness? Now, when we start talking about the forbearance of God, uh, there are three dimensions of this. First of all, uh, forbearance involves God's kindness, his goodness. The Bible says that his reign falls on both the just and the unrighteous. It's kindness of God, not the judgment of God, that leads us to a point of repentance. Unfortunately, Israel did not repent, just like the Gentiles did not repent, and therefore both the Gentiles and the Jews fall under the judgment of God. But it's his kindness, which is part of his forbearance, that causes God to delay that judgment. Next, he speaks about God's forbearance or his tolerance. In other words, God does not judge us right away. He, he puts up with us. He, he, he is very gracious toward us. Instead of punishing sin instantly because of our sins, he delays the judgment. He holds back. In fact, the Bible says that he's not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. Sometimes people say, well, why has God delayed his coming? The coming of the Lord has been talked about for years and years and years. Well, the reason he's delayed his coming is because he's not willing that any should perish, that all would come to repentance, that all would put their faith and their trust in him. So the fact that God does not judge sin immediately does not mean that he ignores it or that he will not judge it. It does tell us that he's very kind. He's very uh, tolerant of our sin, uh, and he holds back the judgment because he wants more and more 
to be born into his forever family. And then finally, this whole concept speaks of God's patience. Notice his tolerance, his, his kindness, and his patience. God puts with us even when we despise his goodness and his kindness. That literally means, the word patient means to be slow in avenging wrongs. He is not quick to judge. He withholds. He is forbearing. Uh, you see this in chapter 3 and uh, verse 25. Notice, God presented him, that is Jesus, as a sacrifice of atonement through the faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice. Notice, because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be the just and the one who justifies the man who has faith in Jesus Christ. See, Christ, when he died on the cross, not only died publicly for sins that are committed in the past, but he also died publicly for sins committed in the future. And he is slow in judging because, again, he wants all of us to come into a relationship to Christ. His kindness, his, his, his patience is a demonstration of how much he loves us and is not willing that any perish. He wants us to continue to be responsive to his, his wooing. Let's put it that way. He woos us. He wants to bring us into fellowship with him. And that's why he doesn't judge sin real quickly. But that doesn't mean that he is not observing our sin and that if we go on sinning, uh, we will be judged for it. God's forbearance then refers to his toleration of human sin. He holds back from punishing us immediately, but that does not mean that he will not punish sin or that sin will go unpunished. In fact, Solomon warns in Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 11, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of men is fully set to do evil. You see, just because God doesn't judge sin does not mean that we have a, a prerogative to keep on sinning and keep on doing everything that we know that is against God. Therefore, when the scripture speaks of his forbearance, it is descriptive of his character. It refers to a temporary suspension of arms. It's something that's only temporary. The forbearance of God does not mean that he's not going to judge sin. One of these days... He will judge the world according to sin, righteousness, and judgment. There is a judgment that is coming, especially for those who continue on rejecting his message of love. So it's not that he doesn't care about us when we are sinning or that he is not going to judge sin. Forbearance simply means that he is willing to put up with an awful lot. And when we understand that God puts up with us and our sins and our wrongdoing, it ought to cause us to be very grateful. I know about you, but I'm very thankful to God's forbearing, aren't you? I mean, where would any of us be were it not for the forbearance of God? He loves us so much, and it's his kindness. It's his patience toward us that causes us as his Christ followers then 
to begin to learn how to bear with and be forbearing in our relationships with each other. Now, let's turn back to Ephesians chapter 4, where you see this. Verse 2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, here it is, bearing with one another. Jesus bears with us. He's not going to ignore our sin. He's not going to just uh, tolerate it indefinitely because the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is a day of reckoning, but that does not happen immediately. And because we understand that, that ought to cause us to hasten to get things right between ourselves and God because we don't want to trifle or take advantage of his forbearance. We must be thankful for it. And as the Holy Spirit convicts us, that we respond, turn away from our sin, and turn to God with all of our hearts. Now, number two, forbearance is not only an attribute of God, it is an attitude for the Christ follower. It is something that we are to cultivate in our lives as Christ followers, a willingness to be patient and kind and loving and forbearing one of another. Now, uh, let's, let's be honest this morning. Uh, we're all fellow strugglers. you believe that? I'm a fellow str- Are we all fellow strugglers? Yes. We don't have it all together yet. We, we are all people in process. Uh, and that's okay. We're never going to be perfect in this life. We're not. So I, I know that kind of blows some of you away, but, but uh, we are never going to be perfect in this life. Uh, one of these days, we will be like him, the Bible says, for we will see him as he is, but that's out in the future. Perfection is not something we experience here. It's something we experience when we're with Jesus. Now, before we look close at this, notice how the apostle speaks of it, he speaks of it as bearing with, literally to endure, and someone mentioned this, part of that original word means to put up with or to hold up. It it means that we as Christ followers must learn to be patient and not so quick to judge each other. Uh, It's so easy in our culture today Uh, to quickly size one another up and and judge one another. But when we are uh, bearing with one another, we hold each other up, uh, we we put up with the weaknesses of others because we realize that we ourselves are weak. We ourselves have a lot of growing to do. You see, Uh, sometimes we expect more of others than we do of ourselves. And... This, this forbearing spirit is a forgiving attitude that we have toward others. And, and we don't put others down. We seek to come alongside them and hold each other up. Now, let, let's look at the, the attitudes that come from a bearing with heart. By the way, it all has a matter of when we talk about bearing with someone, we have to choose. We have to choose to be a bearing with person. Uh, everything in life 
boils down to choices. And we can either choose to be forbearing or we can choose to have a critical spirit. We can choose whether we're going to come alongside one another that's struggling because we ourselves are weak or we can put that other person down. That's a choice. We can choose to be unforgiving or we can choose to forgive. Everything in life is a matter of choice. And when it comes to this bearing with attitude, the first thing he speaks about is we need to cultivate an attitude of patience. Notice he says, verse 2, be patient bearing with one another. Now, patience is something that's hard, isn't it? Uh, for those of you that know me, I'm not a real patient person. I like to see things happen. It drives me crazy when things don't take place. I am not a maintainer. I, it just drives me nuts. I like to see things happen for the kingdom. And yet, patience is something that sometimes God takes us through a lot of difficulty to teach us how to be patient. And as I reflect on some of the things that have happened in my life, I've had to learn some hard lessons because I have been and still struggle with patience. And sometimes, sometimes I don't really give others the benefit of the doubt. And what God is saying to us in this passage is, I want you to cultivate a bearing with spirits so that you choose patience, not because it is easy, but it is because that is God's will for all of us as Christ followers. So we must choose to be patient. A bearing with attitude means we must choose love. Notice, he says, I want you to bear with one another in love. Now what is love? Well, love is not a feeling. Love is the commitment of the will. We choose to love not because we feel that we ought to do this, but because we know this is God's will for our lives. You see, we don't have to go hunting for God's will. God's will is found in the Word. And so when we come to these passages that speak about bearing with one another, we don't choose to obey them because we feel like we ought to obey them. We obey them because we know that is God's will. That's his purpose for us. And so love is not a feeling. Love is a commitment of the will. And it bears with the weaknesses and faults and offenses of others. Just think of all the weaknesses and offense and uh, shortcomings in your own life. <laughs> you see... What the apostle is trying to help us to do is to get our eyes off ourselves. Most of the problems that we have in life happen because we are self-focused. But a bearing with spirit, we're not focusing on ourselves. He's speaking to us about putting the interests of others above our own, being patient toward others, being loving toward others. And then... It's not only an attitude of, of, of patience and love, but it's an attitude of focus. 
Notice in verse 3 he says, I want you to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. In other words, this kind of unity doesn't come without some effort, without choosing to focus on the unity that binds us together in Jesus Christ. You see, there is one common thread that all of us enjoy. As Christ followers, we have put our faith and our trust in Jesus. His Holy Spirit is within us. And that is the glue that holds us together and helps us to function as a unified body. That's not an option. That's God's plan for us. He says, I want you to make every effort to maintain, to keep at it. The unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We need to be focusing on unity. We must never get into a coast position where we just kind of go through life. What will be will be without a clear focus that God has called us as his Christ followers with a bearing with Spirit. He's called us to a unified attitude. And notice those first three words of verse 3, make every effort. We can never get into a coast. You can never take the blessing of God for granted. When we start taking the blessing of God for granted, we miss much of what he wants to do for us. So unity in this context, he's not talking here about uniformity. He's talking to us about celebrating this oneness, this cohesiveness that we have because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, you see, if all of us understood this, we would learn to be much more patient and kind with each other because we are dealing with someone else in whom the Spirit of God dwells. And we treat each other with kindness and goodness, not because it is easy, but because it is God's plan for us as his Christ followers. And when the body is working together in unity, some incredible things take place. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2, just flip over and take a look at verse 14 and following. Notice, he says you'll want to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, verse 14 of chapter 2, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. You see, that is the unity that we're experiencing. <laughs> we, we experience this wonderful sense of peace and camaraderie and fellowship and connection with one another because of what Christ has done for us at the cross. Notice, he came and preached peace to those who are far away and peace to those who are near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. You see, that is what we need to focus our attention on. And when that is where our, 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 our mind and our hearts are focused in that direction, God will enable us to develop this grace of bearing with one another that we thought we could never develop. It's something the Holy Spirit produces in us as we walk in obedience to him. Now, this bearing with attitude also 
involves an attitude of Christ-likeness. Now I want you to just flip over to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. Notice, again, he's talking to us. He's talking to God's holy people. Notice, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. He's talking to the body of Christ. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to the church. Clothe yourselves, here it is, with compassion and kindness and humility, gentleness and patience, and here it comes again, bear with, here it is, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You see, all of this is reflective of what Christ has done for us. Uh, compassion is something that, again, we must cultivate in our lives. Kindness is basically a sweetness of disposition. It's a temperament that's been tenderized by the Spirit of God. Don't you love to be around a kind person, patient person? They just ooze Jesus. You're not taken up with them. You're taken up with the Christ who dwells within them and has produced this kind of fruit within them so that they can be a blessing to others. He also talks about humility in that passage. And that's an attitude that puts the interest of others before our own. That's the exact opposite of arrogance and assertiveness. You see, the person who cultivates a bearing with spirit doesn't always insist on his own way. They are open to the ideas and the opinions of others. They fight polarization in the body. Gentleness is that refreshing attitude that helps us to pull together. Gentleness pulls us together, and it fosters a deep friendship and a further relationship. And then he talks also in that passage about patience, which is an attitude of Christ-likeness. You see, all of these particular attributes that he's talking about here in Colossians uh, 3, beginning at verse 12. These were all true of Jesus. And so Jesus wants us as his followers to reflect him in all that we do. And then lastly, you'll note that a bearing with attitude is an attitude of forgiveness where he says, forgive with each other the grievances that you may have. Don't, don't hang on to things. Don't hang on to grudges. Don't hang on to grievances. Get them settled. Learn to forgive and focus on all that we have together in Jesus Christ. Now, in closing, we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. I'm going to give you an application project. And I want you to take some notes on this because I think all of us need to work at this. I know I do. But let's ask ourselves some important questions as we seek to cultivate this grace called bearing with one another. First of all, I want us to take a look in. Let's be honest with ourselves. And we need to ask ourselves some questions. Number one, what am I doing or not doing that irritates the people for whom I care? What am I doing or not doing that irritates people for whom I care? Number two, what am I doing or not doing that causes problems in the workplace or at home? Number three, what am I doing or not doing that irritates my friends? Sometimes we just need to take an inward look. Do some self-inventory. Are you maybe cultivating attitudes that 
you're not even aware of. But as you sit down and present yourself before the Lord, he brings these things to our minds. So we need to take a, a look in. Then number two, we need to take a look out. And uh, that means we need to evaluate our attitudes toward others in light of our own human weaknesses. You see, it, it's very easy to point out the flaws of others. It's much more difficult to acknowledge our own weaknesses. Here are some questions we need to ask ourselves. Number one. Do I expect more of others than I do of myself? Do I expect others more from others than I do of myself? Number two, am I critical of others in areas of my own human weakness? Now, this is something you need to watch out for. One of the things I've discovered, and I find this is true, sometimes we become very critical of others because they remind us of ourselves. And sometimes we have our own weaknesses and we don't want to deal with them, so we're quick to point out the weaknesses of someone else. But we need to be very careful about blind All of us have blind spots. I've got blind spots. Every single one of us have blind spots. Number three, Make a list of those with whom you can't get along. If there are folks that, that you just cannot, for one reason or another, get along with, uh, write it down. Now, if you can't think of anyone, don't pick a fight this morning. <laughs> but ask yourself these questions. Why, why are you not getting along with each other? Well, have others hurt you? Do they know how you feel? Are your feelings justified or have you become overreactive? You know, sometimes, sometimes things happen to us and we just react in a real negative spirit. We need to do some self-inventory that way. Another question in that same regard, are you upset with others because they remind you so much of yourself. And sometimes this can happen. So we need to take some, some self-inventory. Then number three, we need to not only look in and look out, but we need to look up. God alone is the one that mends broken relationships. And if you're not used to bearing with one another and you can't seem to lift others up just ask God to cleanse you ask God to cleanse you of negative feelings that you may have toward others don't go around with, with those kind of feelings ask God to cleanse you number two ask those whom you've wronged or have had a bad attitude toward to forgive you they may not even be aware that they've done anything wrong. But if you've had something against them, just let them know that you're sorry. And you want them to forgive you for having those situations, those feelings.
And then number three, if they don't forgive you, don't push. Just pray. You cannot hold negative feelings against a person long when you're praying for them. And so I would suggest if you have situations where it's hard for you to get along with others and others are disappointing you and others are, are kind of holding you at arm's length and kind of pushing you away, just start praying for them. Pray, 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 pray. Prayer is the catalyst that heals so many of these relationships. So don't push. Don't try to coerce. Just pray and ask God to change them from the inside out. Because remember, God can do what we can't do. See, that's, that's the beauty of all this. Now, the bottom line is simply this. We need to every day ask God to form his character in us so that we can demonstrate his character in our relationships with each other. Ask God every day to keep molding you and informing you in his image. And let's wave goodbye to the attitude of just tolerating others. Let's say goodbye. I'm not going to do this tolerating one another anymore. But we're going to say hello to just bearing with each other. And looking for the best in each other. Trust me, friends. Bearing with is one of the most difficult relational aspects we will ever develop but it is Christ-like and that's what God is after more than anything else he wants us every day to become more and more like Jesus let's stand together shall we for prayer Lord Jesus we have a lot of growing to do I have a lot of growing to do There have been times when I've been impatient and unkind and unloving. I've expected more of others than I have expected of myself. I've put my interests ahead of others. I haven't gone to the wall for unity like he wanted me to. Lord, many times I've just forgotten that I'm connected to every single Christ follower because of the blood of Jesus. And it's that that unity that we have because we've been bought with a price and we've been purchased by the blood of Jesus that we have the capacity to focus on that, that unity that runs through our veins that enables us to be loving and kind and patient and forbearing. We just don't put up with each other. We, we love each other. We're patient with each other. We're kind. We're compassionate. We're gentle. Oh, Lord, produce this in each one of our hearts. Help us never to get to the point where we feel like we've arrived and there's no more growing for us to do. Lord, may we leave here with a desire to be more and more like you. Oh, how we love you. And we want to fall more deeply in love with you. 
And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and that sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you now and evermore we pray. Amen. Good morning and Maranatha, lo he comes. Have a great day in Jesus.